Nebraska Public Media Sports brings you live coverage of the girls and boys NSAA High School Soccer Championships from Morrison Stadium at Creighton University. Tuesday, May 14th, see Class B boys at 5.30 p.m. Central and Class A boys at 8 p.m. Central on Nebraska Public Media. Welcome to Hurt At Sports Radio. And today I'm happy to welcome you all here as we introduce the 15th head coach of the New England Patriots, Gerard Mayo. I'm not trying to be Bill. I'm not trying to be Bill. I think that Bill is his own man. Spencer. When they've had the tough night this year, Colorado State. It's the shooting. It's the shooting. tempo, too. Colorado State was a little tempo. But you're right. Finding other ways is going to be key, I think. Samson, what a cool over. the finish. And double figures with 11. Another offensive rebound. Good morning. Welcome in. Am I on, Shane? I don't know. Good. <laughs> Hello. There he is. I am got I, you. Am I there? I think you, you're here. You're there. All right. Oh, uh, hey, man. Somebody messed up my headset, so that's terrific. Um, good morning. <laughs> Welcome in to Hurt Out Sports Radio here on sarcasm. AM 590 ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri-Cities. I'm Robbie Lula. Andrew Rogers here with me. We are live from the Hurt Out Sports Bar and Grill, where it's still a little chilly. Yeah, but we, we got some heat, a, l- a little bit of heat coming yep. in the form of space heaters. We're working on it. I'm going to keep the coat on again today, at least for now. I'm still a little chilly, but that's all right. We'll figure it out. Um, not as chilly as it was for the Huskers and Blue Jays last night. In the rebounding category? I, I mean, in a lot of categories, if we're being <laughs> honest here. Um, they uh, Both uh, teams in big matchups for different reasons. Um, where These matchups were big for Nebraska and for Creighton. Uh, both fell short pretty dramatically and uh, pretty disappointingly. And again, disappointing for entirely different reasons. Uh, ne- let's. You want to start with Nebraska? Let's or start crazy? with Nebraska. Let's start with Nebraska because here. that was a game that they had locked up all night long. Yeah. Well, they were up what eleven with seven minutes left. Something that is like correct. That. And um, you know, even in the first half, they had a, a pretty strong lead and allowed Rutgers to come back and 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 bring it uh, bring it close. And you know, when I was watching it, I'm like, okay, like you, you still have the lead. The energy isn't fully back in this building just yet. You're okay. Mm-hmm. And then in the second half, it's okay. You 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 expanded on your lead. Yeah. So Rutgers is completely out of it. Like the fans are, uh, they're just kind of looking around at this point. They're looking for, um, you know, any any glimmer of hope, and they aren't getting it in the form of three point shooting because every ball that Simpson seemed to throw up wasn't going in in the second half, mm-hmm. and free throws. Rutgers could not make a free throw last night. Like you could survive and win because Rutgers went about fifty percent from the free throw line. Yep, and they shot what thirty free throws by game's end. But Nebraska 
never had that one possession where they put them away. When they faced off against Purdue, it was always having that next possession and, and, and being able to put away the Boilermakers. Yeah, and that was really the difference between what we saw last night and what we saw against Purdue. And again, Nebraska struggles on the road. Um, it, against Purdue, every time Purdue made a little bit of a run, Nebraska had an answer, mm-hmm. right? Whether And now I understand they shot 14 from 23 from three in that game, and that is not a sustainable method. They did make 13 threes last night, shot 37% from three-point range. They're which is, a great three-point shooting team. And, and that's a number you can certainly live and win with, right? Um, the problem was they had some outside of Hoiberg, who had a couple huge threes in overtime that actually kept them in that thing quite a bit longer. Otherwise, they might have lost that overtime by eight. Yeah, who points. had their money on Sam Hoiberg making back-to-back threes to, to keep, keep it within yeah, two? To keep Nebraska alive? Certainly not me. Uh, but it was outside of Hoiberg, they didn't get the timely three-pointer, the timely bucket that they needed to keep the game at. That was the thing with Purdue. After they got that game to one, Nebraska really kept them at like four to seven points pretty much the whole time. They kind of kept them at arm's length, kept them away from – kept them away from feeling like they really had a chance to come back. The problem with Rutgers is once they – they really never were able to slam the door shut. And at an 11-point lead with seven minutes left, you probably – should have the door shut at that point. Because Rutgers was giving you every opportunity to shut that door. Yes, and they finally were basically like, well, if you're not going to close this out, I guess we'll go ahead and win the yeah, game. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to run our race slowly, and, yeah, yes. and by the race's end, we will beat you uh, by two or three strides. And that's what it was. Rutgers didn't do anything special down the stretch of that game. No, they just All kept they playing hard. All they did was play hard. They kept playing hard. And Nebraska, what did they do? They kind of sat back, relaxed a bit. Ball security was a problem. I thought under they got tight. Minutes. I thought they got a little tight. It seemed and, like. and shot selection just wasn't yeah. great. It, who wanted it more? That's what it came down yeah. to. Actually, in both games, it was who wanted it more. And in this game in particular, it was Rutgers with five minutes to play. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think, I mean, I don't want to switch to UConn Creighton yet. Um, I, I will push back a little on how the narrative of that game went, but but we'll get there in a minute. As far as Nebraska and Rutgers, this was, we talked about this, I don't know if it was on air or in the YouTube comments uh, yesterday, but the, the reason this was a big game for Nebraska versus why it was a big game for Creighton was if you're building your NCAA tournament resume, these are games that tournament teams win. That's a must win. These are games where you know, they're, you're going to start to build the wrong narrative if you're in Nebraska. And that narrative is, okay, really struggle on the road, really struggle away from home. They don't really have the – they don't really have any quality road wins. I mean, Mich- uh, Kansas State is the best one, uh, but they've dropped opportunities at Wisconsin, at Iowa, at Rutgers. Now all of a sudden, if Nebraska is going to continue to struggle on the road – you look at Indiana, and you're like, eh, I don't know about that one. You look at Northwestern, you're like, I don't know about that one. At Illinois, you just almost have to chalk up as a loss at this point. Then you look at, at the, the, re- the regular season finale. Uh, you go at Michigan two games before that. You've got at Ohio State, and you're like, okay, they, do they have to sweep at home in order to feel good about the NCAA tournament at this point? Because 
those aren't there's no easy games left on the road. I mean, this was the probably the best opportunity, and I get that the rack is a hard place to play. I do. But this was probably the best opportunity. I mean, you've already missed Minnesota or this were your best opportunity for conference road wins in the season. Maryland's out there. You might be able to catch Maryland. But all of a sudden, you're looking at a situation where it's like, okay, we almost have to go undefeated at home to feel good about our NCAA tournament chances because we really can't trust ourselves on the road. And to me, that puts even more pressure on you during your home games because you're like, okay, we really can't drop any of these. Well, guess what? One of those is against number 11, Wisconsin. That's not a, that's not a game you're supposed to win if you're Nebraska at this point, but now you almost have to because of what you've, position you put yourself in with your road losses. They just got too comfortable down the stretch of that game. They knew who Rutgers was, where they sat in the Big Ten standings, and thought they could coast. And it just wasn't the case because once, like I said, the energy started to come back into that building, it became extremely difficult for Nebraska to, to even kind of run any sort of offense. I, think about, you know, in a stadium when you're on the road for football and how loud it gets whenever it's third down and 13 mm-hmm. because for the first two plays you, go, you couldn't get anything going and, and the defense kept pounding you. That was kind of like, hey, the big man gets the ball inside, slams it home twice, and the energy in the stadium is so loud that you don't even know where you're at at this point. You don't, you don't know who's on the same page as you, and then you're so worried about making a mistake. You mentioned them being tight. They make a mistake late in that game. Say, was it Bryce Williams on the drive? Was it Lawrence on the drive? I think it was Williams on the drive, Bryce off Williams his foot, drive, yeah. and um, you know, Mass goes to save the ball, but he hesitated to save the ball. If he would have gone right away, yep. that ball stays in bounds. But because he hesitates, now he borderline touches it when it's out of bounds and you turn the basketball over. Well, those are the moments that happen whenever you start to feel like you're losing the control. Mm-hmm. And that was that moment in that game. But in particular to what you were talking about with, with the schedule – you can't lose games to the teams at the bottom end of your conference. No. You just can't. No. If you want to make the NCAA tournament, you have to beat the Michigans of the world, home and road, if you're playing yeah. them in both cases. Yeah. You have to beat Rutgers, same thing. Minnesota. You have to beat Penn State, Minnesota. You have to beat Ohio State this year, the same way. Those are the teams you have to beat twice. If you, if you get them twice, you beat them twice. Yeah. If you don't, then your chances keep going down and down and down as the season goes on because no no committee is going to look at Nebraska and say mm, man they they beat Purdue that was a great win but they also lost eight games on the road that they probably should have won this year mm-hmm. like no one's going to say oh because of that Purdue win they're in the national they're in the tournament yeah i mean it's the difference between an NIT team and an NCAA team an NIT team struggles on the road they lose games to opponents they shouldn't lose to. They, they have a very similar resume to Nebraska. Now, Nebraska's got the opportunity still out there, if they can go out and win, to play themselves into the NCAA tournament. But at this point, when you're extrapolating, okay, if this is what it's looked like on the road, and the last three of the last four, all three of those on the road, this is what it's looked like on the road. And they really don't have outside – I mean, they don't have a ton of road games yet. Their road ga- games so far are Minnesota, Kansas State, Wisconsin, Iowa, Rutgers. Kansas State's the outlier there that they won that game. 
outside of that, all their conference games, they're 0-4, and they blew leads, double-digit leads, against Minnesota and Rutgers, the games they need to win, and then against the better teams, against Wisconsin and Iowa, they never looked like they were in it at all. So those are two pretty concerning, in my mind, pretty concerning scenarios that have played out on the road for Nebraska at this point. And, again, they get a couple of home games, and they're back on the road to Maryland. Maryland's, again, one of those teams. They're in the same neighborhood as Nebraska in the standings. They're, now they are, at least, after Nebraska's lost. They're in that kind of bottom half of the Big Ten. That's a game Nebraska has to be able to win. If you're an NCAA tournament team, they need to go – Probably, I mean, I don't want to exaggerate here, but going up to Wisconsin, they or between now and Wisconsin, they probably need to go three and zero Northwestern Ohio State at Maryland to start feeling better about their NCAA tournament odds again. The other thing, the health of J- Jawan Gary, yeah, because that could go down as a huge loss for this team if indeed he is out for the season. I'm not alluding to that by any means, but non-contact injuries like that tend to scare They're scary. Me. Yeah. Um, and more times than not, it results in you missing the entirety of the season or at least a significant period of time. If Nebraska wants a chance at, at being a competitive NCAA tournament team, they need him on the floor. They yeah. need Jawan Gary. And if they're missing Jawan Gary, that's a huge piece to this offense that I don't know if they can really replace. Because of the way that – I mean, his, his veteran leadership, for one, and the way that uh, he creates when he has the basketball in his hands, he, he's a different being. And they need him, they, they need him so badly mm-hmm. that if, if they're without him the rest of the year, I mean, we saw what happened last season when, when Jawan went down. And now a, a couple other players went down too. But when they missed Jawan Gary last season, their chances of making the NCAA tournament went down. Well, and especially a guy like him on this Nebraska team that kind of struggles in this area of, like, shot creators and offense creators. It's kind of him, Bryce Williams, and to a certain degree, Tominaga. He Tominaga doesn't really create his own offense that much, but he's gotten better at that in terms of off-the-dribble stuff this year. But you don't have a ton of guys that can do that if you're Nebraska. And the guys that can do it are a bit limited it's not like you've got one of those superstar guys that you can just turn to all the all the time like Bryce Williams and Juwan Gary and Casey Tominaga are more what you would view as secondary type scorers but they're your primary scorers Mm -hmm. for Nebraska that's fine if you've got all of them and you can get at least two of them going in the same night right that wasn't really the case yesterday. Bryce Williams had a really nice game. Yeah, and he looks like a really good player for this team. But Tominaga, even though he went 4 of 8 from 3, 5 of 14 overall to get his 16 points, that's not an efficient night for him. And some of the shot selection, especially the one late from him, you wonder about a little bit. Because, and and I'm not, I'm not really, I know some people were really up in arms about that shot that he took in overtime with 10 seconds left and ended up being an air ball. My thought is that's kind of what you get with a Tominaga-type player. You get, uh, th- those are the shots he shoots. Yeah, th- like you get the good with the bad. Sometimes When that shot goes in, I mean, I, I know in our group chat with the rest of the team. Yeah, people freaked out when he shot that ball between two defenders in OT and he drained it from, yes, what, like, 30 feet? Yeah, 28, 30 feet, right? 
that that shot is not materially different in decision making than the one that airballed with 10 seconds left and you're like hey what are you doing like you don't get one without the other that's the nature of a Keisei Tomonaga type player so I don't even have a huge problem with that but you just have to understand that that's what comes with the territory with a guy like him and that's probably not the type of guys you want as your primary scorers because they're not guys that can consistently get the shots they want all the time. Now, again, because there's three of them, you think, okay, at any given time, one of them probably can get the shot we want, but there's nights where either Juwan Gary goes out and it's you're all of a sudden you're looking at, okay, now we've only got two of them. We have to get them both going at the same time. Or one of them's having an off night or two of them are having an off night. And all of a sudden you're in trouble because you don't have enough shot creators and offense creators on your team to be able to overcome or to be able to stop a Rutgers run. That's the thing that I, I watched yesterday. I go, man, they really don't have a guy that says, okay, we need a bucket here. I'm getting a bucket here. That guy doesn't really exist on Nebraska's offense. And one of the closest things to that is Jawan Gary. Yeah. And, and that's what I was getting at with, with his creativity and his veteran leadership and knowing that, hey, when I have the basketball, things are going to go well. Yeah, so his injury becomes outsized for them because of their lack and because of what his skill set is. It becomes a, an even bigger problem for a Nebraska team. Now, you push back on something I said earlier um, in terms of both teams when I said who wanted it more. Sure. You said the narratives were different. Why do you think that? Well, so I do, first and foremost, I do think Creighton came out super flat and that UConn played harder. Like it's, I, So I'm, I'm pushing back a little bit. To me, though, the takeaway from that Creighton game was UConn just looked a lot better than Creighton. I, and, and I. <laughs> Do you remember what I yep. said I had to set an alarm yeah. today? Check, okay. Check in Qu for your flight. Quick side note. Yeah, check in Quick for your side flight. note. I, I had to set an alarm because Southwest makes you sign in for your flights 24 hours in advance, and I would have forgotten if I didn't have this yep. alarm set. Okay, sorry. Continue. Anyway, so I, I do think UConn came out and played harder, but as I'm watching that game, part of it is effort and intensity, right? But part of it just looked like, okay, the length, athleticism, and physicality of UConn looked like it overwhelmed Creighton and if you're Creighton and you're not playing at 110 percent or whatever however you want to put measure the effort then instead of being like hey this is a team that's going to beat us on in, on their home court because they are more physical athletic and lengthy than we are it becomes hey we're going to end up being down 48 28 in the second half so I do think there was a UConn wanted it more but I also think, to me, the takeaway was UConn's a lot better. Yeah, so I didn't think that too much. I mean, defensively, yes, but they didn't shoot the basketball no, very effectively. They did. I, they and shot 35% from the field. They shot 25% from three. Like, that's not, that's not number one team in the country shooting. So that's why when I, when I talked about who wanted it more, UConn played harder. They hustled more. They... It defensively, too, when they, whenever they would double, like even I had trouble finding the open guy on the floor. Mm -hmm. Like that's how, that's how good they were showing their length and showing their, their whole filling ability um, to pack the paint so that if Ashworth is bouncing off a double team, who is he going to? Ooh, well, I, I guess I have to slow things up. Their defender recovers on Kalkbrenner, and now it's five-on-five five play again. Mm -hmm. Like, that's exactly what we were seeing out of this. And the other thing, too, 
when, when you can't rebound, when you're allowing yeah. UConn to get second chance points like they did, uh, it, it's it's game over. All right, had, sorry, hold on one sec. I got to check in. They had 21. <laughs> UConn had 21 offensive rebounds in that game. They missed. I'm trying to do math here. Uh, they missed 45 shots, and they rebounded 21 of them. They rebounded almost half of their misses, um, which makes that 35% from the field uh, way more efficient because you're getting second chances on half of those misses, right? And look at, I mean, just look at the uh, difference in shot attempts here, right? Creighton, 52 shot attempts. UConn 70 70 right and some of that's free throws but the free throw disparity was only four so Mm -hmm. that's you're not eating up a lot of possessions with free throws in this game which can I just say and this listen I UConn is better like I I started this by saying I didn't even think it was an effort thing so much although I do think UConn played harder I took away saying oh UConn's a lot better than Creighton at this point in the season at the very least I can't imagine like, you saw the style of play that UConn has, right? Yeah. Super physical. They're up in your jersey all the time. There is no way on earth a UConn team should ever be playing someone and they only have six free throws. Like, that's crazy. Well, officiating wasn't good all night no. for either team. But it started with uh, it started with calling a foul on, on Creighton. Let's just, let's just go with the three-point field goals mm-hmm. because this was, uh, this was so outrageous to me. I, I couldn't even believe it. Ashworth, like, first off, UConn moves so much mm-hmm. that it's hard to track down your defender. And Ashworth was caught behind a double screen. Mm-hmm. And, and they're just running circles on offense. Spencer comes up for a three, takes the shot. Ashworth closes. Doesn't really make a whole lot of contact. Spencer sells the foul, yep. gets the and one. You know that a, a lot of contact wasn't made because that shot and the way his body was was kind of falling to the ground didn't really change too much. Uh, the ball didn't, like, shift in the air. Uh, you know, his arm didn't have to do something crazy. Yeah, he didn't have to adjust the shot at all, yeah. So, so that, that told me right away, like, Guys, you you're anticipating too many calls. Mm-hmm. Like that that's what what I was saying about the officials most of the night. And then there was a moment when I, I can't remember remember if it was a closeout or or what, but UConn takes a three and they say he stuck his leg out yeah. and tripped Farabello, which was completely wrong. Yeah. That was a complete makeup call to try to, you know, change what happened prior to with that with that um with that Ashworth play. And like, look, I have high expectations for officials. Mm-hmm. You know that. I'm an official. Like, th- there's a reason I hold them to a high standard. Mm-hmm. You can't do that. You can't, you can't be in a game and just be like, okay, I'm going to anticipate all calls. Like, that, that's what was taking place. And then whenever a double team would take place and, say, Trey bounces off the big man – you, you swallow your whistle. You, yeah. you, you can't do one and not the other. It's the inconsistency of the, of the amount of contact, right? That's the part that's frustrating. Now, again, would that have changed the outcome of the game last night? No. Like, UConn was way better last night, and that's fine. But it makes it really hard to watch a game and enjoy it even. And listen, Creighton was down by 20 in the second half, so that's not a game I'm probably going to enjoy a ton anyway. But as you're watching that thing and you see it play out that way, you, it, fe- it, just, it feels like a hard game to watch because you, no, you have no idea what's going to be called at any given time, you, and it allows UConn to play rugby. You also can't tell me in the first half that wasn't goaltending. Oh, it 100% was. <laughs> uh, coming up next, we've got more Hurt at Sports Radio.